Hey, we're going to go into a time of worship. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to stand and uh, join us this morning. Won't you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come together and worship you. God, right now, help us to focus on you. Lord, to truly take this moment, this time, and give you the attention and the praise that you are absolutely deserving of. Father, we love you. We praise you. This is all for you. Pray this in your name. Amen. strong and I've been broken within a moment I've been faithful and I've been reckless in every bend I've held everything together and watched it shatter I've stood tall and I have crumbled in the same breath I have wrestled and I have trembled towards surrender Chased my heart adrift and drifted home again Plundered blessings till I've been desperate to find redemption And every time I turn around, Lord, you're still there Sing, I was found. I was found before I was lost. And I was yours before I was not. Grace to spare for all my mistakes. And that part just rest. This kind of love, so this kind of love is who you are. It's a grace I can never write to be somebody you still want, but somehow you love me as you find. Together we sing, who am I? Who am I to think your glory needs my praises? If this borrowed breath is yours, Lord, take it all. You are faithful and you are gracious and I'm just grateful to think you don't need a single thing and still you walk by. I was found. I was found before I was lost. I was yours before I was not. You wear the 
skies For all my mistakes And that part just wrecks me Oh, I know No, I don't deserve this kind of Somebody you still want But somehow You love me as you find me Come on, we sing that out, you love me You love me as you find me Drawing closer 
all fear removed. All fear removed. I breathe you in, I lean into your love. Oh, your love. Sing when I'm lost. You pursue me, lift my head to see your glory, Lord of all. So beautiful. Here in you, I find shelter, captivated by the splendor of your face. My secret place, I'm Together we sing your love so deep. Fear removed, I breathe. 
together we sing you are here
sing, even when I don't see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Come on. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Way you anger. continue in service this morning help us to stay in this moment in this attitude of worship Lord that we would continue to give you our focus God that we would truly seek you out as Pastor Dave comes up to speak God first and foremost it would be your truth that we hear and ultimately Lord would challenge us to take one step closer to you. Father, we love you and we praise you. Pray this all in your name. Amen.
Well, hey, New Life family, it is so good to be back with you. Uh, I was just telling Sandy and Austin back there that I'm a little nervous because it's been a few weeks since I've uh, recorded our weekend message, but it feels good to be back up here. And I just want to say thank you so much to all of our New Life family who have reached out to my family and I during this time. We're going to get into that in just a few minutes when we get into the message. But we just want to say from the bottom of our hearts that we would not be here today uh, with our sanity and where we are spiritually and mentally and emotionally without all of your prayers. So wherever you are watching from, whatever state that you are in, we literally had thousands of people praying for Ella, my 13-year-old daughter, and we just want to say thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for jumping in and recording for both campuses, and also all the staff that jumped in and gave me a little breather uh, to spend with Ella while she was recovering. And if you don't know what happened uh, to Ella, then we're going to give you an update here in just a minute uh, through our uh, through the message. Hey, go ahead and take out your phone and check in with someone. And while you're at it, go to our New Life app and click in the lower right-hand corner where it says Connect and then click on Weekend Resources and then click on Sermon Notes. That's going to be uh, the best way to keep up with our messages here. Uh, moving forward, uh, even on, uh, uh, on the weekends where we have our live gatherings, we don't hand out our sermon notes any longer. Everything is done uh, through the app or through the website. So it's just another added resource that we have for you. We want to say thank you for tuning in. Uh, so go ahead and check in with somebody. Also, if you have any prayer needs, you can text the word prayers, P-R-A-Y-E-R-S, to 30500, and someone on our team will definitely be praying over you and your need, whatever that need is, okay? Uh, your giving. Hey, we could not be here and do what we do without your uh, without your generosity and your faithfulness uh, to give. And so thank you so much. We cannot thank you enough. And, uh, um, it, it, all across the nation, and this is a really sad fact, but churches have had to close their doors uh, due to a lack of finances, due to a lack of giving, due to a lack of attendance and things like that because of COVID. But our church has remained faithful and strong. And so we want to, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity because we say this week in and week out. We do not want it to become white noise. We cannot do it without your faithfulness. So thank you so much for that, okay? Hey, last week we talked about, um, we gave you an acronym. And we, would, we just want to remind you of that acronym in case you forgot it. We mentioned in our messages, both live and online, the acronym QAS, Quiet Acts of Service. And we want, we ask you, we challenge you to pick someone in your life that you can perform a QAS, a quiet act of service, whether it's just handwriting a card, make, making a phone call and just listening to someone, uh, maybe someone that you know has COVID and uh, you do a grocery run for them or a pharmaceutical run for them or whatever. You say, well, we have, we have Uber Eats and we have all these different things. I know we have all that, but what can you do? What's something that you can do, a quiet act of service to reach out to someone in need? So hopefully you chose someone maybe in your community or a neighbor or a friend or, uh, or maybe a coworker that's been down. And so if you haven't done that yet, pick one person this week, one person, and do a quiet act of service with them, okay? Uh, we've been in this series uh, called Direction, and I think I covered everything, right? Sandy, did I forget anything? 
I got our prayers. I got uh, weekend update. Oh, resources, resources. Um, a, each week, we're still putting all of our resources online. Okay, so if you uh, have kids or children or students, life groups, uh, we have life group questions on there. So uh, um, these resources are something that we put together that we put on our website for you to be able to access. So it's on our app. It's on our website. So don't forget about all the free resources that we have for you to grow in your journey with Jesus, to grow in your faith. We want you to take those things seriously. 2021 is going to be a year for growth. I feel that in my spirit. And so we want you to make sure that you are doing that as well. Grow with us, okay? Don't just watch somebody around you grow in their faith. All right? Be a participator, not just a consumer of the uh, of faith and what God is trying to do in your life, all right? So anyway, just wanted to uh, get that in there. Like I said, I'm, I haven't done this in a few weeks, so I'm a little rusty uh, on some of the things that we do regularly. But we are continuing this series on direction. And let me, let me, let me uh, say a prayer. I don't normally do this, but I really want to get into the habit of doing this. And uh, I think it's critical uh, uh, before we begin each message. Wherever you are, will you just bow your heads real quick? I'm going to say a real, quick, a real quick prayer. Father, I just pray that you will just use me right now. Use me to communicate your words to your people. And I pray, God, that the words that I communicate, Lord, would just penetrate deep into our spirit and we can grow closer to you. Help us to learn to trust you today, Jesus. In your name, amen, amen. So I wanted to do that because I need a little bit of my nerves calmed as well. Uh, because when I began writing this message, I really didn't know where to begin. One of the things I asked the Lord to do is to help me get through this so that I don't uh, sit up here and cry like a baby. I've got a, I've got a real ugly cry. Some people can talk while they cry, not me. I completely shut down. So uh, I just asked the Holy Spirit to help me get through this too. When I began working on this message, like I said, I didn't really know where to begin because many of you know some of the chaos and some of the trauma that my family has gone through over the last several weeks. But I also realize that you have your own stories. So what I want to try to do this weekend is actually connect all of our stories of trauma together. Because I think that God is trying to communicate something to us through our stories. As a matter of fact, some of you may be writing the chapters of trauma in your life right now. For those of you that are watching that aren't aware... On January the 18th, whenever you're watching this, January the 18th of 2021, uh, my, we got the phone call that my daughter had been hit by a vehicle, been struck while she was riding her scooter. She and her friend were at our house, and they said, hey, we're going to take the scooters back to, to her house, to, to her friend's house. We'll give you a call, Dad, in a few minutes, and you can come pick us up. And this was in our community, in our neighborhood. And about five minutes after they walked out the door, we got... Uh, a horrible phone call, a phone call that I hope none of you as parents ever get. And it was her friend, and she said, Jeremy, Ella just been, has just been hit by a car. So Janet and I rushed out of the house. It happened just right around the corner from where we lived. And as we were racing down the road to get to the scene, we came up on a scene that I hope none of you as parents, like I said, ever have to see with your child. We saw a vehicle in the middle of the road with a little bit of damage done to the, to the bumper, to the front end, and then the windshield was smashed. 
And then to the side of that, we found our 13-year-old daughter, Ella, laying on the sidewalk, face covered in blood, crying. So we rushed to her side, and I was trying to calm her down. I knew immediately that she had a concussion because she was asking me kind of the same questions over and over about every seven seconds, was wondering what she was doing laying on the ground. She had a little bit of uh, a blindness because she hit the back of her head uh, on the windshield, so she had uh, a little bit of blindness because that's where the optical nerve is. And so trying to calm her down, trying to calm Janet down, all the siblings, all, all my other children were coming up on the scene. So the paramedics got there, they put her in an ambulance, and they end up having to life flight her to Madeira, uh, to Valley Children's Hospital down in Fresno. So we got there, and the two, there's three different teams waiting for her, well, four different teams, the trauma team, the, the uh, endocrinology team, which I'll give you uh, the reason behind that in just a minute, uh, the orthopedic team, because she had broken both bones in her lower leg. And the neurology team, because of the fracture, the skull, uh, um, the fracture in her skull that they end up doing an MRI and discovering uh, later on, a little bit of bleeding on the brain. So all these different teams uh, were waiting for her when they got there. They landed, they got her out, but during the flight, as, as horrible as the accident was, this was the, this was even, uh, this was the worst part of the story, was that in flight, they asked Janet, who was on the helicopter with them, and I was in the car trying to meet them there. They said, Mom, is your daughter a diabetic? And she said, no. And they said, well, her blood sugar is 636. Now, if you don't know anything about blood sugar, that's about five times the range that it's supposed to be. And so now the fear is what's called diabetic ketoacidosis, DKA, which is extremely dangerous and sometimes even fatal. So we had that to wrestle with too. So that's why the endocrinologist was there. So I tell that story. We were there in the hospital for about four days. Ella got better. She's walking around today. She's a little miracle. Immediately, there were hundreds if not thousands of people all across the country that began praying for Ella began praying for Janet and I as well. And I know those prayers reached heaven. I know they did because we felt a peace that I can't explain. And she's doing great now. But you talk about a heart-stopping moment when we came around that corner on that scene. Talk about a life-altering moment. It's one of those circumstances that for me, in my personal relationship with God, it was, time for me to be, it was time for me to see if I really believed what I preached here on the weekends. Because I was angry. I was frustrated. I was confused and a little numb. My heart was broken. I was scared. I was sad. I was stress eating, which you can probably tell that I stress ate that whole week. I haven't slept through the night one single time since then because Jan and I are constantly getting up and checking on her in the middle of the night. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know how to pray. And I remember thinking, God, did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Because, I mean, are you kidding me? I moved my family all the way out here to California to serve you, to, to, to preach your truth to your people, and you allowed this to happen to my little girl? I mean, if you're mad at me, God, then let me get hit. Leave my family out of this. Those are some of the things I was wrestling with. 
So the accident happened on a Monday night. The following night, Ella had surgery on her, on her leg. They had to wait 24 hours because they had to get her out of that, that DKA, that diabetic ketoacidosis range, the danger range, so that they could do surgery on her leg. They didn't want to put her under with her uh, sugar being that high. And so finally she came out of surgery. Everything was good. Janet stayed in the hospital because of COVID. They wouldn't let both of us stay in the room with her. And I know some of you that have had family members in the hospital, you know the frustration that we dealt with when you're sitting out in the parking lot and your loved one's in the hospital and you're not able to be with them. So I got a room at a hotel, finally went up, finally went back to the hotel about 1, about 1 a.m. Janet stayed there at the hospital. And I remember going up to the room. I jumped in the shower. I was sitting in the shower. And all I could remember is just putting my hands over my ears. And I closed my eyes and I gritted my teeth as hard as I could. And I just screamed as hard as I could on the inside. Not on the outside because they probably would have called security and I wouldn't have had a hotel room that night. But I remember just putting my hands over my ears and just clenching my face and just screaming on the inside. Just that hard grunt. I mean, I was, I was grunting so hard. I just had tears coming out of my eyes. I was so angry. And then I remember how much better I felt from doing that. I just had to get that out of me. And I remember just laying my head on the side of the shower wall. And finally... I was able to utter some words to our Heavenly Father. The question I want us to dive into today is one that we've asked ourselves hundreds of times here at New Life. Do I really trust God? Do I really trust that He's in control and know what's best for me in my life and my family? The funny thing is that the the disciples were wondering the very same thing thousands of years ago. And this is what Jesus said to them when they were asking him, can I really trust you, Lord? Look what Jesus says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, which is not too hard for some of us. Right, Pastor Dave? So don't be afraid. Look, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I was reading about a pastor who had a conversation from someone who uh, attended his church in the past. And she said to him, you know, I used to attend your church on a regular basis. I gave regularly. I was part of a life group at your church. Uh, I never uh, uh, missed a Sunday. I was there all the time. I volunteered on a team. I did everything I was supposed to do until I walked through a couple tragedies in my life. And then I began to ask myself, why am I serving a God that I really don't trust? And this broke the heart of this pastor. You see, we can read countless scriptures about God's provision and his protection and all the promises to everyone who consider themselves followers of him. But when everything is going fine in our lives, those verses rarely connect with us, don't they? When everything seems to be going right, we really don't understand the impact and the depth of some of those scriptures. It's when all hell breaks loose in our life that we, st- that we tend to run and cling to the verses of God's promises for us. 
King David tackles this issue best with the question, How long, O Lord? In the first two verses of Psalm chapter 13, David asked God how long four separate times. Psalm, 20, Psalm 13, let's read it. How long, Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And many of you out there are asking that same question. How long, O Lord? How long am I supposed to suffer physically, Lord? How long am I supposed to suffer emotionally or mentally or financially, Lord, before you do something? Because let's face it, you didn't ask for that divorce. You didn't want to close the doors to your business that you worked so hard to start up. You don't want to file for bankruptcy or lose your spouse or friend to a virus that seems to have no discrimination. You didn't ask to lose your job or your home or that. You didn't ask for that cancer to come back with a vengeance. You didn't want any of that. But now here it is staring at you right in the face. And God is asking you, do you trust me? Do you trust my heart? Do you trust the direction that I have for your life? Even when it looks bleak. Even when it looks bad. So how do we trust God in those times? How do we go from worry to worship, from fear to faith, from trial to trust. You and I both know it is not easy. And sometimes it takes a long time. And depending on the situation, depending on the storm, it could last for years. Does God really care what happens to us? I mean, really? Do I really believe what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans? That God causes everything to work together for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose? Even the bad things that happen to me or those around me? Does he work the bad things out for my good as well? I love the Passion Translation of Romans 8.28. It says this, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. I just love how, it's, uh, how that flows. So how can I trust God's heart. What are some ways that God proves to us, his children, that we can actually trust him? Some people believe the motive behind God's direction for us is power and control, but I don't think so. You see, God has given us free will to go our own direction, and we can go our own direction if, if we choose to do so. It truly is our choice. Look what Proverbs chapter 16 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Translation, I can go my way or I can go God's way. You see, I believe that God is inviting us into the best direction for our lives. God knows what's best and he wants us to be a part of that. So what happens when we truly trust the heart of the Father in his direction? Here's your first fill-in for the weekend. Number one, trusting God's direction brings me to a place of surrender. Trusting God's direction brings me to a place of surrender. It's a pretty humbling experience, isn't it, when we realize that we are not in control of something. <laughs> it's one of those stop you in your tracks moments when you say to yourself, wow, I really can't control this. The outcome of this situation really is not defined by me. And I'm just now discovering that. 
There's literally nothing I can do within my own power about the outcome of this situation. No matter how type A I am or self-motivated I become or how many times I look at myself in the mirror and say, you can do it, (laughs) there's some things I just cannot control. And no amount of you can do it are going to change the situation. This pain isn't going to stop, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional. Just because I say, I can do it. Money isn't going to magically appear in my account. Ella isn't going to supernaturally jump out of that ICU bed and say, well, I'm all better. Let's go home, Dad. None of that can happen in myself, within myself, or because of anything in my power. None of those things can happen. Nothing can change. But if we come to a place of surrender to God, any of those things can happen. It doesn't mean that they will, but they can happen. Do I trust God's heart as I'm going through it? We can say, God, I just don't understand it. The situation doesn't make sense to me, God. There's no rationale for why this is happening to me, and I can't even imagine why you would possibly allow this to happen for some kingdom cause. However, because I'm your child, Lord, I want to echo the words of King David found in Psalm 62 that says this, Let all that I am wait, pay, wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from the Lord alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. For God is our refuge. Remember a few uh, months ago we were breaking down the Lord's Prayer. In verse 10 of, of Matthew chapter 6 says this, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This cannot happen. It cannot happen in our personal lives unless we surrender to him. The Apostle Paul went through, through some of his own issues. If you read the, the story of Paul, you'll see that. In fact, there's one If there's anyone who suffered for the sake of the message of Jesus Christ, it was the Apostle Paul. He even writes about something that we now refer to as his thorn in the flesh that he had to endure for years. And they never specifically, he never specifically calls out what it is. There's all sorts of speculations and uh, theologians uh, throughout, the, throughout the years have uh, kind of broken down what they believe it was, what this burden was. But one thing that they do agree on is that the Lord never freed him from it. God never delivered him from whatever it was. And this is what I love about this. When Paul eventually surrendered to the fact that this was going to be something that he has to deal with and live, and live with, look what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need, Paul. My power works best in weakness. So this is Paul speaking here. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we truly surrender to the direction of God by trusting his heart behind it, our weaknesses can turn into strength, not on our own power, 
but because of Christ on the inside of us. Here's what I've discovered about this passage based on my own personal experiences, not just the one with Ella, but even in the past. Paul didn't really need God to take away his problem. He really didn't. He just needed to know that he was there with him in the middle of it. He was comforted in knowing that he wasn't alone. And some of you need to hear that today. Listen, God may not remove your problem, but you are not going through it by yourself. God has never left you. You can't see him. You may not even be able to feel him right now, but he's there right beside you. He actually said to us, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. That brings us to number two. Here's your second fill-in for the weekend. Trusting God's direction brings me to a place of rest. To a place of rest. I love Psalm 23, written by King David. I absolutely love it. The older I get and the more I go through and understand that God is with me during the storms of my life, the more valuable these words become to me. And the deeper they penetrate my spirit. Let's read it out of the New Living Translation, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Some of you are probably quoting this right along with me because it's a, it's a standard in the Christian faith. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. And watch this. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Did you catch verse 3? He guides me along right paths. That's what we're talking about in this series. That's direction. David is celebrating the fact that God is leading him to the right decision, to the right direction, to the right path. David is trusting the heart of the Father to lead him the right way. What would happen if you and I prayed that same prayer of David? If we deeply exhaled, and said, Lord, you are my shepherd, and I have everything I need. Right now I rest in your green fields that align beside quiet, still streams. You are giving me strength and guiding me the way that I should go. Doing this brings honor to your name. If you read the whole story of David, you'll see that he went through some major difficulties and trials in his life. And yet he still trusted God's direction. What he says next proves it. Verse 4, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness. You may know it as even though I walk through the, val through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is the Passion Translation. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. And then look at this. I'll never be lonely for you are near. Some of you, some of you watching right now, you are completely exhausted because of the trauma that you've experienced in your life. I know. Janet and I, Janet and I are feeling that right now. The stress and the doubt and the emotional roller coaster that you're on has completely drained you mentally and emotionally and brought you to a place of exhaustion that you didn't even know existed. You have no more tears to cry, no more voice to scream, no more words to speak. Listen, God is inviting you 
to rest, to trust his heart and his direction, to find peace. And that leads us to our final fill-in for the weekend. Number three, trusting God's direction brings me to a place of peace. Philippians 4, chapter, seven, chapter 4, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, the, peop- the people living in Philippi back then needed some major encouragement. Major encouragement. There were some things happening in the community that had ruffled a few feathers. And so there was some conflict within uh, some of the people who were attending that church. And in this letter, the Apostle Paul said, quit worrying about everything and pray about it. Stop worrying about it and pray about it. Then you will experience God's peace. And those words are as real for us today as they were for the people of Philippi back then. Quit worrying and pray. Paul says when we do that, we can experience a peace in Jesus that goes beyond our understanding, that goes beyond explanation. People will even ask you, how in the world are you holding up so well in the middle of this crisis and you won't be able to explain it because of the peace of the Holy Spirit in your life? Now, I know we focus mainly on trials and kind of painful circumstances with this message, but trusting God's heart for direction goes way beyond that. Maybe for some of you, you're seeking God's heart for either starting or closing that business. We're going to be regathering soon for at our new Patterson campus location. If you uh, didn't know that we found, we found a building there in Patterson, if you want some more information about that, contact either myself or Miss Anna or, Ms. T- or, or Pastor Tito, and we can give you some information about that. But many of you ha- need to re-engage with your faith family. COVID has kept you out for so long, you've gotten used to not having connection with your faith community, and you need to re-engage. We need you to step up and start serving again once we begin our live gatherings in our new location. Some of you have allowed the uh, fear and the absence to keep you out of the habit of giving. And God may be uh, poking at your heart this weekend to re-engage with surrendering your resources once again to him. Don't ignore that. When you trust the heart of the Father in his direction, You know what you could do? You could still chase that dream. You can still go back to school and finish that degree. You can still meet that girl or that guy or get that house. Do you trust God's heart behind his direction for you? Yeah, I know marriage is hard, but so is being single. I know parenting is difficult, but so is the news of not being able to have your own children. I know you hate your job, but there are people who don't have one right now that would probably be glad to take yours from you. And you may hate it bad enough to say, then they can have it. (laughs) We can all find something to complain about or worry about, can't we? Or we can trust the heart of God and seek his direction for our lives. Trusting God's direction brings me to a place of surrender. It brings me to a place of rest. And it brings me to a place of peace. Going back to my story of when I was alone in the hotel room, 1 a.m., I'm in the shower. I just let out this giant internal scream. I laid my head on the side of the shower wall 
If you remember, I told you I finally found some words that I could utter. Because I didn't know what to pray before then. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to pray for. I knew that there were thousands of people across the country that were praying for. So what was I going to say that wasn't already being said? So I put my head on the shower wall. And I whispered these four words. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I just kept saying it over and over. And again, that's all I could say. I couldn't think of anything else to say. I didn't know what else to pray. So I just kept saying, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Here I am, a pastor, and I didn't know what else to say. And now I realize that I didn't need to say anything else. That's all I had to say. And it was exactly what I needed to say. And I felt the presence of Jesus right there with me in that room. There was a peace that came over me that, like I said in the message, I couldn't explain. There was no way to articulate it because those four words I meant, I meant every single word because it was coming from a place of grief and a a place of brokenness and a place of of humility in my spirit. And I meant, I trust you, Lord. Listen, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't pretend that what I went through is any worse than what you went, th- what you're going through now, or vice versa. Because whatever issue that you and I are going through in the moment, that's real to us. I understand that. But God wants your surrender. Did God cause your situation? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't believe that. Did He allow it to happen? I, I don't know. I don't have the answers to those questions. Here's what I do know. He wants you to trust his heart for you. He wants you to trust that his plan and direction for your life is the best one. Some of you need to get alone. You need to find a quiet place where you could cry out to God from your spirit and say, I trust you, Lord. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. I'm really frustrated. But I trust you, Lord. Father, you know everything that I'm going through right now. You know all the emotions. You know all the feelings that I'm having because of this issue. But I trust you, Father. If you're not going to take it away from me, Lord, then at least reassure me that you're right here beside me. If you're not going to remove the problem, just keep reminding me that you're here with me right in the middle of it. And that could be enough. Wherever you are right now, like I said, I don't know what you're going through. And I know that whatever you're going through is very real to you right now. What happened to my family was was and is, you know, something we're still processing through. We're learning to be parents of a 13-year-old di- uh, a type 1 diabetic. <laughs> Sometimes it's not easy. But we're, we're learning. And it's still one of those situations where I can say, I trust you, Lord. And if I can encourage you, if I can challenge you, if I can beg you to get to that point in your life, will you cry out to God, I trust your heart, Lord. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, these are, these are moments where it's so difficult to find you, so difficult to hear you, so difficult to feel you. 
when we go through trauma in our life or when we're seeking your direction or trying to, f- trying to really dig down and discover the intent of your heart. Lord, it can be frustrating. It can be scary. It can be confusing. But Father, help bring us to the point to depend on you, to surrender to you, to rest in you, to find peace in you and realize, Lord, that your direction is the best direction for our lives. Father, I just speak, I speak peace and rest over anyone out there that's listening, Lord, that may be going through something right now. They have no idea what to do with it. Lord, I pray that you'll just calm their souls, calm their minds. Let them feel your hug. Let them feel your embrace. Let them feel your presence so they know that they are not alone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your promises. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. It was great to be back. If I went too long, I apologize. I just had to get the, I had to get the, the, the content out that I believe the Holy Spirit gave me. Uh, to uh, to speak his words to you this weekend. I know I needed to set it up a little bit with some of the backstory of what happened to Ella, but just wanted to say, again, thank you for all your prayers. Uh, like I said, we would not be here without you. Don't forget all the announcements that we had at the beginning of the message. Don't forget the QAS, the Quiet Act of Service. Do that for someone today. It's so good to be back with you. Uh, don't forget about all the announcements or, or as, uh, the resources and your giving and your prayers. We love you guys. We want you to stay connected with us. We can't wait to see what God has in store for us this year. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you back next weekend.